Hello and welcome to another weekly podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. If you're in the Mankato area, join us every Sunday morning at 10.15 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at MankatoHilltop.org. Best of all, God is with us. Here we're in the midst of a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, so we're in Matthew chapter 6. We left off at the end of verse 15 yes, uh, last week, so today we're going to start in 16. He, Jesus is going to talk about three things, fasting, our treasures, and our eyes. Okay, here they are, starting in verse 16. This is Jesus speaking to the crowds gathered for the Sermon on the Mount. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Holy Scripture. Hey, before I get going today, I need to just call out to a few people who have been playing in the state tournament. We've got a number of people from Hilltop. Isn't that exciting? Yes. So, I don't know if you heard, but Mankato East won the state championship. We have, <clears throat> for girls softball, we have a couple of players that play on that team, Maddie, Beta, Maddie Beatty and Jada Swalve. So, they got some playing time. I heard Maddie Beatty hit her home, first home run in the quarterfinals or semifinals. Grandma and Grandpa are back there proud. <laughs> Okay, then not only that, but Allison Bance, who plays for Mankato West, she went to the state in shot put in discus. I don't know how she finished. Did she, what, do you guys know? She finished seventh. Okay, so Allison Bance uh, went to state in track, and that's really awesome, isn't it? And I can't forget Madden Vanderwerf. He's here today. He was playing in the state tennis tournament Madden, congratulations. So that's just, I mean, in case you didn't know, we got some athletes in this congregation who love playing. And there's, yeah. Carly Emery is playing in the Senior All-Star Game this afternoon. Okay, Carly Emery is playing in the Senior All-Star Game. Here's another softball player from Mankato West. So isn't that awesome? Okay, yes. Wait, did I forget anyone else? She's in college. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. 
Okay, so if, that, if I miss someone, let me know. But we've got a lot of really great athletes that have been competing at state, and we're very proud of you all. So thank you all very much. All right, so we're going to continue on now with this teaching that Jesus, he does three little small vignettes here in the Sermon on the Mount, fasting, treasures, and our eyes. And this comes right after, last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer when Jesus said, this is how you pray, and he gives us the example of the Lord's Prayer. And I think this is a way of Jesus saying, now what we're going to do is you just, I talk to you about how we're going to pray, and it goes like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And now I think it's kind of, he's saying like, oh, now's the time to put the prayer into action. Now's the time to actually do something with that prayer. So yes, we pray to Jesus. Yes, we pray to God, our Father in heaven, our creator, and he's going to help us. But now, now, how do you put that prayer into action? Well, through fasting, through our resources, our, our, our money, and our spirits. Those three things. When we think about the Lord's Prayer, we necessarily necessarily need to turn to these three subjects because it's going to help us put that prayer into action. And each of these three things are embodied things. What do I mean by that? Fasting, giving, seeing. Our spirits and our bodies are united together. That's the Christian teaching. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. There are some places where people think, oh, we just need to escape the body and our spirit will just like go off somewhere. But the true Christian way of looking at things is our spirits and our bodies are united together. Have you ever seen a body without a spirit? No. Have you ever seen a spirit without a body? No. Bodies and spirits have a complicated connection to one another. And this is why when Jesus was raised from the dead, he wasn't just like a spirit floating around in the air. He actually had a body. What did he say? He said, look at my hands. See where they put the nails. Look at my side. Thomas, touch my side. It was physical. He could actually touch his side. Something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ means the material world that we live in, it doesn't just go away, but it is redeemed, transformed, resurrected, made perfect. Now this gives us a way of looking at the world that everything that is created here is good. Things about this world are broken for sure. We mess it up. I still don't understand poison ivy or mosquitoes, but there's a reason for it. But somehow, all of this world will be transformed or redeemed. If you've grown up with the notion of when I die, somehow my spirit's just going to like fly away, that's not necessarily coming from the Bible. It's actually due more to Greek philosophy philosophers, Plato, they would think that this material world needs to to go away and we need to escape this material world and get to some better place. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The things of this world, they are important. Yes, they might be messed up now. Yes, they might be broken right now, but I'm going to fix them. This is both the physical things of this world, but also the spiritual things of this world. Here again, our bodies... And our spirits are united together. 
That is our main kind of Christian understanding. This explains why we just love cheeseburgers. Or pick whatever your favorite thing is. Freshly baked bread. Oh, so good, right? Or nice, sweet, tart lemonade on a hot summer day. There's something about this material world that satiates our needs. Now, any of this stuff can go too far. I mean, we can have too many cheeseburgers for sure. In moderation. But the fact that it tastes good, the fact that it it seems to hit something within us says, hey, isn't this good? So what I want to make sure we understand is that in this world, the world that we live in, Both the physical material of this world, the trees, the lakes, the rocks, the people in it, the animals, all of that stuff, it is all created good. In some sense, it is all messed up and broken, not every little thing, but the fact that we have hurricanes or the fact that there are mosquitoes that seem to bug us or whatever it might be shows that there are some things that are broken and certainly I don't need to point it out, but we do things to others that we shouldn't. And so, in a sense, we are kind of broken, too. All of creation, created good, has a little bit of a defect. And so, what God doesn't do is he doesn't say, ah, let's just wipe the whole thing off. Mm Mm-mm. He said, I'm going to send my son into this world. Jesus is going to come into this world. God becomes human. Who would ever do such a scandalous thing? Well, when the created world that we are a part of is good and needs fixing. You send your son into the world. He sends his son into the world, and that is what brings the fixing of this. So think again now, again, of fasting, prayer, and seeing. These are embodied things we do with our hands, with our body, with our, our actions in the world. There's all kinds of really interesting, fascinating philosophical discussions out there about this dualism that doesn't exist, but it makes for good movies. If we are just a spirit somehow trapped in this body and we're trying to escape it, that's what the Gnostics believed, early, early Christian sect that was trying to escape the material. It makes for movies like The Matrix. Have you ever seen the movie The Matrix? where they are somehow able to plug into the brain and somehow that just distills all the essence. The brain completely divorced from reality or all the artificial intelligence things now that are out there. Maybe you've seen the movie iRobot. You ever seen that one? Makes for good, makes for good TV, not necessarily so, so true. So will artificial intelligence ever be able to be sentient? I mean, that's what people are asking right now, right? Let me tell you what I think, because I know you're just dying to know, right? You're like, what does Pastor Matt think? (laughs) Here again, I don't think you can have a spirit without a body or a body without a spirit. Whatever that artificial intelligence is, it's not embodied, is it? It makes for good philosophy. It makes for good discussions. Couldn't an artificial intelligence do all the things that Pastor Matt does? Maybe. 
The difference between me and an artificial intelligence is I'm here. You can touch me. You can see my, you know, bumps and bruises and warts and everything. You can see all of it. I'm an embodied presence here. And it is not dead. It's living. Something about me is living. Something inside me is living. Something inside all of you. It's alive. And you maybe can't even, like, put your finger on it. It's kind of hard to describe. But you know, like, there's that part of you that's inside of you that nobody else knows about. We call it our spirit. There's something inside of each of us that maybe God is really the kind of the only one who can speak to that real inner part of our voice, right? Our inner part of who we are. So to me, I don't know that we could ever divorce those two things and just have like intelligence all by itself without ever being embodied, just as we can't have a body without a spirit. Now, here's the thing about being material and being living in the real world. Theologian Stanley Hauerwas says this, nothing enslaves more than that which we cannot live without. What's the thing for you that you cannot live without? Maybe it's cheeseburgers. Maybe it's your phone. Have you practiced leaving that at home and going to the grocery store? <gasps> I'm going to feel naked without my phone. What is it for each of us where it's like, I have to have that in my possession at all times or else? Whatever that thing is, you got to start to ask yourself, who's controlling who here? What's really, what's, what's really controlling me or someone else? Because is it, you know, something through a phone or, or it could be anything. It could be money. Jesus highlights money. Money could be that thing where it's like, I got to have my purse or my wallet and I got to have 25 bucks on me at all times because if I don't have money, I'm not going to exist or whatever, or for an emergency or whatever it might be. What is it that thing that you think you cannot live without because whatever that is, it can enslave us. We can become a slave to that thing. And just as Jesus is saying, like, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. So whatever that is, it just pulls our heart in the wrong direction. Now, here's the thing. I'm talking about material things, what I just mentioned there, right? I'm talking about money or your phone or things like that. What are the non-material things that you must have? There are many things that you must have. You can't hold them in your hand like a material thing, but they are very real. Can you exist without love? I would argue that you can't. But it's something that we all need. It's something that we all long for. It's something that we all desire in our relationships, in our families, uh, with people whom we disagree with. We want to get to that place of reconciliation. Reconciliation only happens through love. What about forgiveness or mercy or grace? Can we live without these? Sermon point. Maybe we're doing an experiment as a society to see what it would really look like if we tried to live without 
forgiveness or mercy or grace with one another. I don't see much of it. And I don't like what I see when people don't offer that to one another, maybe even to themselves. Can we really live without these things? Now here's the thing. Just as I was talking about how we are embodied, we are both a body and a spirit together, we now have these things that we need together. Both spiritual things, the things you can't hold in your hand but are so important, and material things. You need food to eat. You need a shelter to live in, whatever that might be. There's lots of material things, right? Both of those things are so important to our life. Sometimes we only focus on one of those things, getting ahead, getting farther ahead, getting the things we need. And we don't spend a lot of time focusing on the other part, the spiritual parts, the other things we need that are hard to hold on to. Maybe it's the reconciliation that needs to happen in your family. Maybe it's that person that you really don't want to love because it's hard. So there's some forgiveness that maybe needs to happen, either by you or by them, whatever. There's something there that is also just as important as all the physical things we need in this life. Fasting is one of those ways to get at this, and I know fasting is just, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around this. For Jesus in his day, you hear this all throughout the Bible about how fasting was a way of devotion to God. It was a way of doing something to show your devotion toward God. Here in our world in 21st century America, we talk about fasting to lose weight or fasting to raise funds for a mission or something like that, but rarely do we ever think of engaging in this ancient biblical practice with the goal of discipleship in mind, with the goal of transforming our hearts and our minds. And the whole goal of fasting or abstinence, it could be either one, is to abstain or to limit ourselves from those things that we need in order to understand where our true needs are met. How those true needs are met in God. But here's the thing. We don't like doing that. I'm doing really good all by myself. I don't need to do that. Why would I do something like that? Friends, I'm guilty of this too. I really am. I go, oh, fasting, yeah, yeah. I read about that in the Bible. Hmm. Not really important to me right now. See, we live in a world that satiates all of our needs. And then we go, oh, I don't need to do that. When in fact, we're probably more enslaved now because it's harder to put down those things in order to spend our devotion to God. Whatever those needs are, what are they for you? Jesus highlights a big one, money. He talks about it as your treasure. Because money seems to have this thing that just pulls on us. It just, it just pulls our heart right, right away from God or right away from other people. Some people will you know, say, well, pastor, you, you've seen the mega millions jackpot or whatever, Powerball? You see how many millions of dollars that is? <laughs> I have the same answer every single time when someone's like, you're going to play the lottery? Absolutely not. Because here's the thing they don't tell you. When you win, it wrecks your life. Why? You might think, oh, this is great. I got $50 million. I can buy whatever I want. 
But then what comes with that is all the problems of having $50 million. If you had $50 million, you know what I'm talking about. People asking you for money, how it wrecks relationships. All the money's gonna be gone in five to 10 years anyways, and then what's left? Bankruptcy. I, think, I don't know what the statistic is, but so many lottery winners end up in bankruptcy. Why? Because money has that effect on our heart. It has that deteriorating effect. It just devolves relationships. It makes everything harder. And if you don't believe me, wait till you do this with your family. And some of you have done this with your family, and you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh yeah, when mom and dad died and we all had to sit at the table, easiest discussion ever, right? Not so much. So Jesus is highlighting this for us to help us understand just how much those things can pull our heart away from Jesus, away from God's mission, and how it gets us on the other side of what God wants. Fasting then breaks that. It just breaks that cycle. Now Jesus talks about fasting with food because unlike all of us, we know where our meal is coming from. In the first century world, you didn't know where. There was no restaurant. You didn't just go down to Brugger's Bagels. It didn't work like that. You maybe didn't know where your next meal was coming from. So in order to find sustenance in your life and in our lives together, we would actually stop eating to recognize every time my hunger pang happens, that's a call for me to give my devotion and remember that my true sustenance, my true life comes from God. And then Jesus goes on when he talks about treasures. He says, we cannot serve God and fill in the blank. He says money. It could be uh, emperor. It could be something else. What is it that fills in the blank for us? There is no serve God plus this. It's simply serve God. And then we get to this very uh, end of the passage where Jesus talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. I think Jesus is using very poetic language here to describe our inner life, to describe that spiritual life. So he started out talking about fasting and praying, things we do, things that are embodied, things we do with our hands, do with our head, do with our heart, physical realities. And now he's going to switch gears a bit and talk about our spiritual life, our inner self. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. He's using very poetic language to say there's something behind your eyes, isn't there? Metaphorically speaking, not biologically speaking, metaphorically speaking. When you're with someone and you see the bright shining eyes, you're like, oh, something's happening in their mind, in their spirit. Something internal is happening. And when you see someone who's hurting or in pain and you look into their eyes, you know it immediately, don't you? In an intuitive sense, you're like, they've just been crying or they're hurting inside. They didn't even say anything, but I can tell there's something in them. This is what Jesus is getting at, saying how both of these things are so important in our life, not just our physical world, but also our spiritual inner life. See, when we have this inner life with God, it helps us illumine our eyes, is the way that he says it. It's like this lamp that shines out. 
It casts out the darkness. It casts out the darkness of people's hearts. It casts out the darkness. It doesn't say that you're not going to ever have hard times. But it gives you the life and light and love to get through those difficult times. Jesus is showing us that there's a way of seeing that is a gift of grace. This grace that floods our life with light. This way of seeing is open and generous. It does not live by scarcity, but rather it sees the abundance of this world as a grace to be beheld. That God's provision is all around us. It's almost like he's saying, do you have the eyes to see it? Do you have the eyes to see this abundance that is all around? This spiritual world that is all around us here. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Do you have that? Thanks for listening to another podcast from Hilltop United Methodist Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Don't forget to visit us online at MankatoHilltop.org.